questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Tonight, we have someone whose only one goal in mind is teaching the truth so you can be free. Who were the real creators of man? And what was man created? What is the purpose of man's creation? What really happened in Eden? Understanding DNA. What is the difference between truth and doctrine? What is the real meaning of the apocalypse? What is the real reason for earth changes and what's causing them? As above, so below, present day. The real significance of Hawaii in prophecy. The sign of Jonah. What no one is talking about. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas at Veritas Radio. If you want to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. I always love to hear from you. Tonight's special guest is Veritas veteran, Dr. Scott McQuaid, an internationally acclaimed author and lecturer known around the world for his research into ancient texts. He has been on dozens of radio shows and has taught thousands of individuals from all over the world, many of which have been personal students of his at his private learning network, The Inner Circle. His websites, his websites are innercircle.us, thetribulation.us, and paxionpublishing.com. All linked on our website for your convenience. And directly from Mount Vernon, Ohio. I'd like to welcome Dr. Scott McQuaid back to Veritas. Hello, Scott, and welcome back. How are you? Well, Mel, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Always, always a pleasure. You always bring new stuff, and I'm looking forward to discussing a lot of the topics that I mentioned in the introduction. Let's begin with what's the most important topic well, you know, uh, that's a good question. There are so many things going on in the world right now, it, it can be a little overwhelming uh, for people who are paying attention. But I would say right now, um, Hawaii uh, is is really very, very important, and for, for different reasons than people might even be hearing in the media. Um, but Hawaii is extremely important. The, the volcano and the earthquakes involved there, and, um, you know, we, we know that Hawaii is just erupting and lava is everywhere, and they have hundreds of earthquakes every day, and um, everyone's aware of that if they've, if they've watched the news at all. But this is also something that is um, a fulfillment of what the ancient texts say will happen. Uh, there was a sign back in, in 2017 uh, with the Virgo alignment, and um, people who are acquainted with the Bible and the ancient prophecies therein will be aware of this, and even people who aren't, because it was a very big deal. Uh, Revelation 12 says that the, um, the woman was clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and had a crown of 12 stars. And that actually happened when the constellation of Virgo um, was in that exact alignment. And um, 
Jupiter also was was in the womb at that time for a an actual human gestation period. So that was a fulfillment of what Revelation 12 said would happen just before, immediately before the sign of the red dragon would appear. And uh, we in our humanness like to uh, think of things in our time frame, right? We, when the, when the alignment was finished on, I think it was September 24th, everyone expected the red dragon to appear because, you know, we we live by the clock. But as the Bible tells us, a thousand years is as a day, and a day is as one thousand years to the Creator. So we have to be a little uh, patient uh, when it comes to looking for these things to be fulfilled. But one thing I've learned over the years from studying the ancient texts and from kind of um, not only speaking with many uh, Freemasons over the years, but kind of you know reading the ancient texts and getting a feel for how they operate, one of their mantras is, as above, so below. And that can mean different things to different people in different contexts. But one thing I know as a certainty is that... <clears throat> The powers that be understand celestial events. They know when they're coming. They know what to expect. And what they do for the purposes of uh, fooling the public is they will create a kind of a preemptive uh, manifestation of the celestial event here on Earth. And um, let me give you an example of what I mean here. I don't want to sound ambiguous or vague. Um, in in Matthew, it tells us that um, Asu, who I refer to as Jesus, uh, as Asu said that when you be when you see the leaves being put forth on the fig tree, know that summer is nigh. And from our earthly perspective, especially coming from a, a context of Christianity, people have been led to believe that that was. Uh, the creation of Israel as a nation in 1948 when that came about. And um, so they think that that is the fulfillment of that. But there's much more that goes into the actual fulfillment of that prophecy um, in, in the sky, in the heavens. And what that celestial prophecy was actually saying was that a fig tree or a fruit tree was going to put forth what it called leaves, and that was the sign that what he called summer was nigh. So the powers that be know this is happening, and they know what it is, and they don't want us to know what it is, so they manufacture an earthly event to depict that that uh, Revelation 12 prophecy, so no one else is the wiser. It's kind of like, you know, in the Wizard of Oz, when they go into the, to the palace there, and he's operating the machine behind the curtain. Uh, and he says over the microphone, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. And they eventually find out what's going on and who's operating things. And this is the way it goes. When Asu, or Jesus, gave that prophecy, he was referring to a celestial fig tree. And that fig tree is literally in the cuneiform, in the most ancient writing that we have, is called Nibiru. It's literally known as the, the fruit tree, or one's own fruit tree. And the leaves 
that it puts forth are called pula in the Greek, the P-U-L-A, which in the Greek just means leaves, but when I take that back to the cuneiform, having rightly divided it, as the Bible says that we must do in order to understand the, the true uh, stories, and the uh, truth behind the stories, it breaks down into logograms of pu and la, P-U and L-A, which literally refer to wheels in wheels, or in the Latin, sfera a sfera, or what we would call orbs, okay? These things that people have been seeing in the skies. And when he says the fruit tree uh, putting forth leaves is a sign that summer is nigh, the, the word summer is the word in the Greek terus, T-E-R-U-S. And it just means summer. However, when I take that word back to the cuneiform and I break it down and rightly divide it, which Second Timothy 2.15 says we must do, meaning to cut the words, into the logograms of the cuneiform as terus or terus, it literally means red, fiery bird, which the ancients referred to Nibiru as the red, fiery bird. And it also means uh, bearded vulture, which may mean absolutely, probably means absolutely nothing to your listeners or to theologians or, or pastors, but it is very, very important that we understand why summer means bearded vulture, because that is an actual definition in the Sumerian lexicon. It's, it's, a, it's a logogram that means that word, or that a phrase alone, bearded vulture. So why? Well, scientists have discovered that the bearded vulture is the only, which is an actual bird actually, is the only bird that dusts its wings in red iron oxide. That is important because Nibiru, very likely being a brown dwarf or red dwarf star, is known specifically for red iron oxide. So, in Revelation 12, when we, said, when we are told that the woman uh, would be clothed, clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, crowned with 12 stars, putting forth a man-child, and then the red dragon would be the next sign, this is exactly, precisely the same thing that Esau, Jesus, was talking about when he gave the parable of the fig tree putting forth leaves. It is, it, he meant that when you see the orbs in the sky, know that that is a sign that Nibiru, the red planet, also known as the red dragon of Revelation 12, is very close at hand, even at the door, he said. So, that's one example of how the powers that be who know the meaning, the ancient meaning of these celestial uh, portents or prophecies, creating a, a uh, earthly event to distract the public from looking elsewhere, thinking that it's already fulfilled, when the actual celestial fulfillment is the real uh, fulfillment that we need to understand. Um, and it's right here. It's very close. And Hawaii, is, it, it goes right along with that. Um, and here's why. 
because all of these end-time celestial events are said to be like a woman travailing to be delivered. Uh, Matthew says it that way. Revelation says it that way. It's noted elsewhere in the Bible as such. And so we have to really understand that that's what this is about. So what does Hawaii have to do with a woman travailing to be delivered? Well, it's the earthly sign that he was really talking about. And this is, I hope that when your your listeners uh, tune in, that they will take notes and listen to what I'm, I'm talking about, because uh, in all humility, I, I tell you that what I will talk about, as with the other shows we've done, and within my books and other things, they're not going to find elsewhere. This has taken me 25 years to cull these things out of the cuneiform logograms, uh, and tens of thousands of hours to do this. So I hope that they take it seriously and write these things down. But Hawaii is not just a state, okay? It is it is a location that Asu, Jesus, literally told us would be at the epicenter of end-time events. Now, again, you're not going to find this within a church or within a seminary or Bible school, but this is a fact. In the Arabic and the Hebrew, the word hawa or hava, however you want to pronounce it, the V's and the W's are interchangeable. Hawa means Eve, as in the first woman, Eve, Adam and Eve. It literally means Eve. And in the cuneiform, the letter I is a logogram that means both tears and cries of complaint, as a woman might do if she were giving birth to a child. So here, in the word Hawaii, it literally means Eve crying and uh, having tears and cries of complaint. Would the lava be considered the tears? Yes, definitely. Or you can look at them as blood also. Um, (laughs) Interestingly, the Father shows me things in in these like little flash visions that I get sometimes. And about six months ago, he told me, he said, the mother is about to bleed on her children. And I had no idea what he meant. It just came out of the blue. I just heard it out of the blue. <laughs> and so, and now, once Hawaii started doing this, and I think it was May, maybe that it started erupting, um, and I knew what Hawaii meant in the, in the Arabic and the Hebrew, became clear to me what he was saying. And so here we have Hawaii doing all of this. And as a depiction of Eve, the mother, giving birth. Well, what's more interesting about this is when a woman is in labor, there is a location just between her legs that in medical terms is referred to as the ring of fire because it's very uncomfortable and it's very hot. When she's, when she's pushing the baby out. Well, as many people might know, Hawaii sits in the very epicenter in the Pacific Ocean in the ring of fire, what is called the ring of fire, which is this uh, ring of vol- hundreds of volcanoes. There's, I think there's around four or 500 volcanoes, if not more there. So again, we have a, a literal perfect depiction of a woman travailing to be delivered in the ring of 
of fire. And what's even more interesting is when Asu gave another prophecy, when he said there would be earthquakes in what he said, what he called diverse places, that phrase for a couple thousand years has always just been taken within Christianity to mean, you know, here and there, willy-nilly, hither and yon, wherever they may happen on the earth, these earthquakes, meaning diverse. Well, the words diverse and places in the Greek mean to go from a higher place to a lower place and to pass through which is what a child would do when it goes from the uterus down through the birth canal and and pass through the birth canal. So the words used in that parable were very specific. And places, uh, which I believe is topos in the Greek, literally means, in the book of Acts, it literally is referred to as the place where two seas meet. And if you look at Hawaii, although it's officially in the northern Pacific, it's right there on the edge of the southern Pacific, where two seas meet. And furthermore, if you go to the west and you look along the left edge of the Ring of Fire there over in Asia, by the Philippines and other places, there are literally more than a dozen seas that all conjoin right there at that specific location in the Ring of Fire. So when Asu said there would be earthquakes in diverse places as a sign that he's right at the door, that this is about ready to all break loose around the world, he's literally referring to Hawaii. Let me interject here for a second because I want to dissect this even deeper. As As you're talking, I'm thinking that a lot of this can be taken literally when you look at the earthquakes. That could be considered contractions, that which it's what happens before birth take place. When I'm looking also at Yellowstone, I'm getting a lot of information about Yellowstone that apparently the mainstream media is not publishing. 30-meter-long rock cracks open up near Yellowstone. Fisher opens up near Yellowstone. Uh, another emergency closure with tourists being evacuated that was not in the mainstream media. Do you think this has something to do with Nibiru, or as you said, it could be the powers that want to be that are creating or manufacturing the prophecy to distract from the real prophecy. Well, I'm certain that those things are related to Nibiru. Um, they do create or manufacture earthly events. Uh, however, today, or uh, I think it was yesterday... The, all of the planets went to one side of the right. sun. Now, I know that the powers that be can do things like, you know, uh, let off a bomb in the ocean and create a tsunami and different things and manipulate weather to a certain extent with harp and different technologies they have. But I don't know that they have the power to put all of the planets on one side of the sun. And to me, that is... I, I feel very strongly that that is, although it's happened before, not in like maybe 150 years, it's a rare event, but it's as if there's something very large that has a magnetic field that is pushing these planets to be on one side of the sun. 
And it's interesting because the sun, as we see the sun in our sky, what we call our sun, is a literal version of what the Bible calls the Antichrist. Christ was referred to as the sun. Now, he's in Malachi 4.2, it says the sun, S-U-N, will rise with healing in his wings. So it's personifying a sun. Um, but the sun that we have in our sky is actually a replacement sun. It is not our original sun. And the word replacement is the word anti in the Greek. So when you have an anti-sun, Christ being the sun, you have an anti-Christ. And it's as if all the planets, if they represent humanity, let's say they represent the races of humanity, are getting behind the sun. They're getting behind the Antichrist. Okay? In other words, they're aligning themselves with the Antichrist. And I think this is really important for us to understand because the Bible says that when this woman puts forth the man-child, she, she bears the child, get this, before the labor pains. And it's a mystery, and who can understand it? Well, what does that have to do with Hawaii? Well, it says the child, the man-child would be born, and we're talking about the Antichrist here. It says the man-child would be born before the labor pains. Well, interestingly, there, is a, there are copious amounts uh, of evidence, of, of proofs, to show that there is an individual here on earth that is fulfilling every single earmark, every single prophecy, every single detail of what the Bible says the Antichrist would do. And that person is Barack Obama. And he's done it all. Every single thing the Bible talks about, he's done it. Now, he's done it behind the scenes, and you really have to dig in the news to find out where he is and what he's doing. But what's interesting... He's is not done yet, by the way. Barack Obama, he's not. You're right. He Definitely, he's not. But according to his birth certificate, he was born in Hawaii. So, as above, so below, if Barack Obama is the Antichrist, and he is a representation on earth of the sun in our sky, everybody around the world is getting behind Barack Obama. He's gone to 57 Islamic states, he's gone all around the country, more so than, around the world rather, more so than any other former president in history, and he's still working, and, as you say, and everyone's getting behind him, just like all the planets just got behind the sun. And the reason that I, I say that uh, this is the Antichrist sun that is in our sky is because of what happened to Nibiru a long, long time ago, which uh, is why we are going through what we're going through right now with all these cataclysmic events, and millions of animals dying, and, and, and hundreds of earthquakes a day, and tsunamis and flooding, and and fissures across Africa and, and other places. And this is why. Because the real sun is returning for judgment, exactly like John chapter 5 and other places in the Bible tell us he will do. And, and the question is, what is, the, what is he returning for? I said judgment, but what is this all 
you know, how is this going to culminate? What is the purpose of all this? And and I'm here, here to tell you that there's not a religion on earth that has it right. Because, and, and I'll use Christianity as an example simply because that's my background. Um, the, the, the stories are not in a proper context. And when a, a pastor goes to seminary, as they're taught to engage in hermeneutics, uh, which is the science of interpretation, um, they are taught something very specific. They are taught that these Semitic languages, like Hebrew and Mandaic and Aramaic, that these have nothing to do with what are called the Afro-Asiatic languages, which is Sumerian and, and other languages from that area. Well, the reason they're told this is because it's, they don't want them to know that there is a very close connection. And not only is there a close connection, but it is absolutely imperative that they look to the cuneiform, the Afro-Asiatic cuneiform, in order to understand the biblical narrative, or what Asu called the truth. Because when we know the truth, that's the only way we can be free. And by keeping us operating under lies they can keep us enslaved in perpetuity. And so we have to understand the true story, what, what really happened. And the, the main story, um, there, well, there's several actually very important stories, the creation of man, uh, the crucifixion of, of Christ on the cross. This is the one that is most relevant to our time right now because there is a replaying of this going on, as even as we speak. Uh, it started happening uh, back in about 1959, I think, when they first saw Nibiru, and then uh, Robert Harriman came out in 1983, uh, working for NASA, and said that they found this planet. He died shortly thereafter. They found the planet, and the only thing left was to name it. I remember the article in the newspaper. I'm sorry, Mel, you cut out there. You said they found the planet. In 1983, I was in high school, and our science teacher had the newspaper saying, look what, what uh, I don't know if it was NASA, but look what the scientists are saying. They found this other planet, and the only thing left is to name it. And all of a sudden, that article disappeared in the future. And so back in, in that time, there was really no question as to whether there was another planet. It sounds like it was just common. It was just right. in the news. Interesting. Well, well, it is it is real, and this is what uh, I speak about throughout uh, many of my books. And um, let me let me take your listeners through um, a different narrative that may help them understand the real, ancient, and true story of the crucifixion. That will help them understand what's going on right now. Um, when we are told that, well, first of all, let me let me go back a little further. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because we've done other shows, and I've mentioned this too, um, about the creators of man. But within um, Christianity, as well as uh, Islam and Judaism, the creators are called God, right? The creators of man, the creators of the the earth, and other things are called uh, God. And in Hebrew, the word is Elohim. But the word Elohim never meant a supreme entity. Never never did, never will. It means rulers, G 
judges, angels, and gods with a little g plural. Never does Elohim mean God or a supreme being with a capital G. Um, then you work your way into sec- the second chapter of Genesis, and you have a figure that is uh, whose name is falsely translated as the Lord God. That's that's a really horrible translation. It's impossible to translate the four letters which represent that entity, which are Y H V H Yod Heh Vav Heh, as the Lord God. It's impossible to translate those letters as Jehovah or Yahweh or Yahuwah or any other thing. They the Hebrew language is an abjad language, meaning it is a consonant based language. And in that language, and others like it, you have to have vowel markings called nichud, N I Q Q U D, to tell you which vowels to place between the consonants for the purpose of pronouncing it. Well, in the oldest text that we have, there are no vowel markings. They do not exist because the the writers of the Bible uh, or of those texts um, at the time did they knew that it was not to be translated, uh, pronounced rather, uh, not because it's so holy it's unpronounceable, but because it was only four letters. It was not a name, and that's why the Greeks called it the Tetragrammaton because that Tetragrammaton means four letters. Well, when when I was in seminary asking all these questions about you know, what does this mean? Why uh, do we pronounce it when it's, there's no vowel markings and all this? I just got, you know, the runaround all the time. And so when I graduated, I found that I had to find these things on my own. And finally, after a lot of research and exegesis, I, I had to, I've, I've learned that I had to take the Hebrew letters back to the Aramaic, <clears throat> which is I-A-U-A, and then do what Isaiah 29:16 says when it says there were those who turned things backwards that would in secret to hide their counsel from the the most high supreme being and in doing so their turning of things backwards would be looked upon as the potter's clay or the potter and the clay which is chapter 2 of Genesis where this uh these letters and this entity are seen so once I took them back to the Aramaic and got I A U A I simply undid what they did in Isaiah 29:16, and I turned them back to their original state, getting the letters A-U-A-I. And to know what uh, consonants to put in those letters, you have to go back to the Sumerian text, where the biblical story of creation actually came from. And in the Sumerian Enuma Elish, the, the Sumerian creation epic in the sixth tablet, it, it calls the creators of man who placed man in Eden and made him in clay pots and called him Adam and everything is exactly the same as the biblical narrative but it calls these uh, these entities the Anunnaki so I simply I knew at that point that the scribes with Jeremiah 8.8 8 tells us are liars they're liars they simply took out the N-N-K from the A-U-A-I. Well, I simply dropped them back in and got from Y-H-V-H, become, uh, I got Anunnaki. And the problem is that in, the, in that same tablet, the sixth tablet, it calls them, these Anunnaki, the fallen ones, just like the Bible refers to Lucifer in the Bible. So these were literally the fallen angels that manufactured man. And to do it, they needed something very specific. They needed a substance that would allow them 
to procreate, because as the Bible says, angels neither give nor take in marriage. And that's because, you know, they don't, they're not made to. They don't procreate. They wanted to procreate. And so the new man that they had created, they needed to actually uh, give him the ability to procreate. And to do this, they needed a substance, and the only place to get that substance was from a star. And that substance is called glycoaldehyde. Now, this for for the Christians listening and others, I know that this sounds bizarre, but um, this is why I've written 16 books to date, giving you just the minutia and erudite detail from the Hebrew, the Greek, the Aramaic, the cuneiform, everything is laid out for you very simply uh, and to let you know how this is the case or why this is the case. So don't don't turn off the show because it gets your, heal- your feelings hurt because this is uh, different than what your pastors or your seminary professors have told you uh, or your Bible school professors have told you. This is information that no one else in the world is going to tell you for the most part. The lion's share of what I'm going to tell you. They don't know. I've, I've sat under some of the most uh, world-renowned professors in my, in my education, and none of them know these things. So, so please take it seriously. Take notes. Uh, read the books if you like. Join my teaching network to learn more. But this is the real story that has been hidden from the world for thousands of years. And uh, this is why Daniel 12.4 says that Daniel was told to seal up the book until and hide the words, I might add, seal up the book and hide the words until the time of the end, when knowledge would increase and people would be going to and fro in the earth. And so this is what I do. I I open that book. But back to the topic at hand, this substance that the fallen angels needed in order to create or enable procreation within Humanity is called glycoaldehyde, and the only place you can get it is from a star, a very specific star. Now, I know this because not only because of the research I've done into the Word, as I rightly divide it, it tells me these things, but about seven or so years ago, there were a group of astronomers in Chile who were looking through an infrared telescope, the IRIS telescope and looking at planets and things in the infrared spectrum. And they discovered a star. And this star, I'm not referring to Nibiru, this is a completely different star, but this star, in like manner to Nibiru, was in the infrared spectrum. And it was also entirely cloaked in a cloud. And this cloud was completely made up of, guess what? Glycoaldehyde. For the first time in history... Our scientists, astronomers and geneticists, knew where glycolaldehyde came from. And glycolaldehyde is needed because it is what you need to create RNA. Okay? RNA is what is needed for cloning in a lab, a sheep, a monkey, whatever. Um, That's what they need for cloning. And procreation is simply a biological form of cloning. And so they needed this substance. And not until those scientists discovered that, those astronomers discovered that back in, like, seven years ago or so, did they know where RNA came from. Because it's one of two molecules in our DNA, but it's a mystery 
as to where it comes from because it is not naturally occurring on Earth. Neither is the other molecule, the phosphate molecule. So, um, but th- they knew then where this substance came from. So how do you go about getting glycolaldehyde from a star? Well, they had technology back then that we even today still don't have. Uh, the Hindu texts speak of this and talk about it at the time of a, uh, that a great war was taking place, and they say that they created explosions the size of 10,000 suns in the Bhagavad Gita, the Hindu, Hindu texts. Well, how do you create explosions the size of 10,000 suns with any man-made technology? Well, you really can't. If you, if you want to create an explosion that big, you really need to start with at least one sun, I would, I would surmise. Uh, they further go on to talk about how they shot great iron arrows. Okay? And those iron arrows are the same thing that the biblical narrative talks about as the centurion sword that pierced the side of the Son, who Christians call Jesus. When he was on the cross, which is the Sumerian way of saying, the Christian way of saying what the Sumerians called at the crossing. Now, if you want, and and I should say that at the time the centurion pierced his side, it says that blood and water came out. But the word, the phrase rather, blood and water, doesn't really mean blood and water. It just means a liquid substance in the Greek. So this is what the fallen angels disguised as Yahweh, Jehovah, or Elohim were getting. They were extracting this substance from the side of the sun. And they did it with technology. Uh, If you look at at Jupiter, for instance, you can see a perfect depiction of what the Bible refers to as Jesus or, or the Christ. It says, "...by his stripes we are healed." He was pierced for our iniquities, wounded for our transgressions. Jupiter has stripes all around it. And its side has a great punct, what looks like a, a puncture wound on the side. That's because Jupiter at one time was a sun. Very much like probably Uranus and very much probably like uh, Saturn, all of which have rings. My theory is that the planets that have rings were at one time suns that were used, or I should say misused, for the purposes of the fallen angels. And, and that uh, explosive event is what actually created these rings. Okay? And so we have the Lord of the Rings, and we have the different planets that, that uh, uh, depict that. So this is, this is what's really going on. Okay? They, they extracted the substance, they created RNA. The RNA is called the rib of Adam because RNA is ribo nucleic acid. They took that ribonucleic acid and then manifested Eve, as I said earlier, is was Hawa in the Arabic and the uh, Hebrew, which is why today, in the end, as in the beginning, we are seeing Eve put forth a man-child. And interestingly, it's no coincidence, the firstborn son she had, named Cain, killed righteous Abel. His, his twin brother. And Cain in the Hebrew is Cain. It means 
a spear or a sword, okay? Just like they used to puncture the side of Christ. So can we look at that ancient narrative and believe, as Matthew says in the Bible, that as it was in the beginning, so will it be in the end? Can we look at the name Cain, meaning spear, and see a modern-day depiction of how an Antichrist figure would pierce the sun, or what we would call the red... Let me interject for a second. Forgive me for interjecting, but I have to step in because I I don't mean to offend anybody who's a true Christian, but I also see the astro-theology, and I also see what you just said, RNA, ribonucleic acid atoms, or or the, the rib, and that's how things happen. But then when I think of the sons of of Adam and Eve, Cain, Abel, and many people don't know that Seth was the third one. If they were all three males, how did we all derive from these two if they had three sons? How did we derive from, oh, you mean as far as the different races? Well, we are always told that we all come from Adam and Eve, but they had three sons. How did they procreate? <laughs> Well, there's, there is much left out of the biblical narrative, that's for sure. Uh, there are a lot of gaps. And, of course, they had to have wives to, exactly. to procreate. And, yes. So they existed somehow. They, they either manufactured them just as they manufactured Eve, uh, which is very likely, because Eve was made uh, out of Adam's rib, uh, cloned out of Adam's rib, and so that's probably what actually... And it's more credible to me, Scott, them. knowing what I know now, everybody thinks of the ancient ones as, the, as these soulless savages. But all we have to do is look at the history, our records, the pyramids, and all the magnificent megaliths we see around the world. I think that at one point in our history, thousands of years ago, perhaps they had technology that even today we would dream of having and something happened, a cataclysm, uh, an eruption, uh, something happened that, that where we had to start again from sticks and stones. But the more we find in our history, the more we don't know about it. Yes, yes. There are so many mysteries and so much that has been left out of the historical narrative. Um, I think mostly intentionally, though. I think most of that's been intentional uh, because we are in a cycle. There's, to me, there's no question as to whether we are in a cycle of, of creation and rebirth. And this is why the uh, Hindu goddess Kali is outside, uh, it was, the, was the entity to uh, depict uh, or represent CERN. They chose that statue to represent CERN, because CERN is part of this, this uh, end-time narrative as we go through this destructive process. And uh, this, is, um, this is absolutely related, uh, inextricably linked to Cain's spear. And, you know, I, and I, I certainly don't mean to offend any Christians either. I, you know, uh, most of my life has been uh, in my social network and family and friends are Christians, and I, I don't mean to offend anybody, but it's absolutely imperative that we are willing to give up any lies that we may believe in order to hold on to right. the truth. We can't have it both ways. 
And all these things were prophesied to come out at the time of the end. Um, and, you know, when Daniel was told that in Daniel 12.4, that he was to seal up the book and to hide the words of the book until the time of the end, that was, he was told that about 586 years before Christianity was established. So for 2,500 years, these things have been hidden. But for the last 2,000, Christianity has been teaching something. So the question is, if the words were hidden and the book was sealed only until now, what has been taught within Christianity? And you have to really, you know, sit back and ask yourself, is it possible that the Bible is is right when it says in Proverbs 25.2, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the honor of kings, those who rule, to discover a matter. I don't know if it's a coincidence, but my name, McQuaid, the ancient uh, name McQuaid means son of rule. I don't know if that's why I'm able to do this or not, but I have for 25 years. Uh, is it possible that when, in Second Thessalonians 2.11, it says that because, because they did not love the truth, again, which is Christ, which is the Son, he called himself the truth, and they killed it, because they did not love the truth, God handed them over to a strong delusion that would cause them to believe a lie. Is it possible that Christians and really everyone else in the world has been under this delusion until now because all of these things have been hidden because of the, the uh, spiritual laws that we broke? Well, my answer to that is yes. And this is why we must let go of the lies to embrace the truth because Asu said, you will know the truth. And we'll the truth send you free. We'll make you free. And I've always said this, uh, Scott, that if if there's a cataclysm coming, or if there's an event like Nibiru coming and affecting our our let's call it our orbit, if you will, that will cause all sorts of problems. You know, hurricanes, uh, winds, you name it. Now we have two things. One, a couple of days ago, I received this. Somebody sent me this email saying, "Mel, is it normal for the moon to look this?" tilted. And he added some mathematical mathematical calculations and a calculator explaining where the moon should be tilted today. And it doesn't seem to, to jive right now. So there's one. Then Wayne Herschel, one of our former guests here, sent this. And he's talking about Yellowstone one again, that it's, it's behaving in a way where they haven't seen it and it's already due for another eruption not happening uh, you know, for 40,000 years. And he said, in the end, what will happen if it erupts? He says, devastation, no flights for over a year, worldwide crop failure, acid rain. But for the nearby cities, I hope evacuation protocols actions before the last few signs are seen when swell and quake swarms are off the charts. It might start a mini ice age for a decade due to debris in sky. Do you see a correlation between this and Hawaii? Well, yes. And uh, Yellowstone very well could be that event which puts everything over the edge. All right. Um, and here, let me say this. Hollywood are, are full of, Hollywood is full of script writers, right? These are modern day scribes. Okay. And they they do lie, 
like the modern, like the ancient scribes do. However, they, for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, they put a tremendous amount of truth within their their movies. And one of these movies that came out just recently was, I think it was the last Avengers movie. And in this movie, it, the whole narrative is about the Avengers and the you know the population of the world coming together to fight against an outside um, force that was going to destroy most of humanity and, and demolish the earth. And this this entity was the, the enemy of, of earth, of, of humans. And to do his work, however, to do his work, to, to, to uh, access the power he needed to bring this devastation, he needed stones. Okay? He needed stones to put in this metal glove that he wore. And once he had all the stones, he, was able to, he would have been able to complete his work. And I'm not going to give all, everything away here, um, but I do want to give a little spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it, okay? So for the next 30 seconds or so, you may want to just mute or tune out because I'm going to say what happened here. The last stone that he needed was a yellow stone. Now, they could have made that green or purple or blue or white or, you know, anything, but they didn't. They made it a yellow stone. And he had that yellow stone, and he popped it into that arm, that glove, and that at that point, he was able to turn everything that he wanted to, including the Avengers, many of them, to ash, which is what the world will experience when yellow stone erupts. There will be ash that covers the whole world. So I think this may have been one of the their secret ways of telling us that Yellowstone is a key player in this end time scenario. So, but um, this this also has to do. Uh, I want to get back to the stone, or excuse me, the spear or the sword, because as we're seeing everything manifest below as it has above, and we're seeing everything take place at the time of the end as it did in the beginning we should also expect to see a sword piercing the sun, the righteous one, at the time of the end, too. Now, how, how can this be? What can we look at to, to see as a modern-day depiction of the sword piercing the sun? Well, I'll tell you. Immediately after Hanukkah, Hanukkah is a Hebrew celebration, lasts for eight days, and uh, immediately after Hanukkah, last year, there were five rockets went up, and it was bizarre. You, you never see that. In one week, it was five or six rockets from different countries went up, one after the other, and we never really got any straight answers. They say, oh, well, they're, they're taking satellites. Including the one including the one that supposedly the people in Hawaii got warned that some people say that it was truly a missile and it was shut down, but they didn't want to alarm the population. And that's why that uh, warning came out. Well, that, that could be one also. There were a lot of bizarre things that happened right around that time. And all those false warnings and everything, you know, these these are just bizarre things. We've not seen this in our lifetimes that I remember, Mel. But these rockets went up 
for a very specific reason. Now, I, I need to preface this by saying that I have told my students for years that this was going to happen based on my uh, etymological studies and my exegesis into the ancient languages. I knew it would happen. I knew exactly what they would do. And we've just been waiting on it, waiting on it. Well, that week after Hanukkah, it happened. And I even I even started writing a book. Uh, well, I won't get into that right now. But one of these rockets that went up was from Elon Musk's company. And the logo patch for the flight, for the rocket launch, are you ready? It was a centurion soldier who wielded a long sword who slashed the belly of the reddish-brown dragon, and you could see the blood coming out. That was the logo patch. When I saw that, I had already I had already been writing my book for about a year called The Centurion Candidate, telling my students and my apprentices that this was going to happen, that they were going to use modern technology, including rockets and possibly HARP and maybe CERN, for this exact purpose. And then along comes Elon Musk launching a rocket, and the logo patch for the rocket is a centurion with a sword, and you can see that he's cut the belly of the dragon on the logo patch. I mean, this is the power, Mel, of the word, of the word. The word, Christians think that when the Bible uses the word word, it means the Bible. But the Bible never calls itself the word. When it says the word, like it says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It means that the word, the language, what Jeremiah 6.16 calls the ancient and enduring path, that which is ancient but is also found in all modern languages, is the light that guides us to the truth. That is the cuneiform, the oldest written language. And because I have been studying that for all these years, I knew this was going to happen. And lo and behold, it did. I even told them when it would happen. I told them it's going to be around Hanukkah time. Now, how, do I, how did I know that? Because in the Bible, it tells us that at Hanukkah, the, it doesn't call it Hanukkah in the New Testament. It's the, uh, this is the... Um, word uh, for the Feast of Dedication. It calls it the uh, Feast of Dedication, which is, is called Hanukkah in Hebrew. But at the, at the time of dedication, which is Hanukkah, it says, Jesus walked on the porch of Solomon's temple. Now, Solomon's temple was a temple of the sun. He built it so the two pillars of Jachin and Boaz, uh, when in the um, spring equinox, uh, on the summer solstice came along, the the sun was right in the middle of those two pillars. It was a literal temple of the sun. It represented the sun. So knowing that Esu represents Nibiru, I read that and I knew that it was telling us that Nibiru would be in close proximity to our sun, which it called Solomon's Temple, at the time of Hanukkah. And then boom! One, the, the, the day that Hanukkah, the next day after Hanukkah ended, whew, 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 these rockets started going up. And I was like, yes, this is what I've been saying. Now keep your eyes open because what happens next 
is that it says that the, they um, wanted to stone him, right? This word stone is the Greek word lithos. And the rockets went up from the surface of the earth, which is called the lithosphere. The lithosphere. And then it says, but he escaped, he went away, which tells us that Nibiru uh, went on its on circuit. It, it was, uh, uh, I don't know how to say it, 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 it did not stay on, its, on a typical circuit, but it, it veered. And it, went, it says that Jesus went to the place where John first baptized. And if you do a little research, that's Bethany. But, but Bethany is only a very short distance, like I think maybe a mile or half a mile away from Jerusalem. But, but these rockets, and Scott, these there? rockets, the explanation of the logical explanation that the media gave. I'm sorry, you're, cut, you're cutting okay. out now. Let's see, testing one, two, three, can you hear me? Okay. Yes, I can. The explanation that the media gave about some of these rockets were preposterous. One of them, I believe, it was in the West Coast, or Oregon, or Seattle, somewhere in that area. And they were saying, oh, that was the trail of a helicopter. I mean, it was preposterous. <laughs> Almost as if they're saying to the population, listen, you dumb idiots, don't ask about this question. The question is, what was the purpose of all these rockets going on, going up almost at the same time? Right. Right. Exactly. Well, the thing is, you know, Asu said to the disciples, he told them, he said, because you have eyes to see and ears to hear, it is for you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Now, if we can have eyes to see, and we see that logo on Elon Musk's rocket launch patch as the centurion piercing the side of the dragon, and we can relate that to the biblical narrative, we can know the mysteries of the kingdom, and we can be free. That's, that's the important of, importance of understanding what these things really mean. Because if I, if I were operating out of my uh, Christian doctrinal context, as I did most of my life before I started doing this 25 years ago, I would never have seen this. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have any idea that there was a connection between that centurion with a sword slicing the belly of the dragon, making him bleed, to the crucifixion of Christ, and all this was happening at Hanukkah because it was a representation of what it says in uh, the Gospels about Jesus walking in the ports of Solomon. There's no way. No way I would know this. But, you know, many years ago, Mel... The, they prophesied over me as a young man, well over 25 years ago, over a period of about five years. Different prophets, different times, different places. And they would just tell me different things about myself that I would do, and I just brushed it off. I was a young man having fun. Didn't, you know, I thought it was neat, but I didn't give it much credence. And they told me several things that I would do. They said I would be a trailblazer. They said that I would be the standard bearer. They said that I would unlock... I, they said I would hold the key to unlock things that had never been unlocked before and that I would uncover things that no one else could uncover. Well, I've done all that now, uh, and I, I had forgotten all about this. And just a few years ago, I was going through um, a box of things looking for something for my office, and I found all these old cassette tapes, and whatever was written on them was all smudged off, and... I didn't even have a cassette player because, you know, 
I, most people don't use cassettes anymore. I had to order one off of eBay. Well, when it came a, a few days later, I popped these in and listened to them. They were these prophecies. And the Father had given me the foresight to record these. And they're all on audio tape. They're all just... It was such a blessing to me because I look back over the last 25 years and boom, 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 boom. Everything that they said, I've done. Books unlocked this the biblical narrative to tell what the stories really mean. Um, developed this method of exegesis that no one else in the world does to take the biblical stories back to the cuneiform and all these things. Anyway, so it's not a surprise to me that I've done this because when the Father says he's going to do something in your life, he does it. And... And that's that's how I'm able to do this. But when I saw that logo patch, I was just I was just astounded that um, I was excited, I was exhilarated because I've been telling them for all this time that it was going to happen. But after the rockets went up, after they tried to stone him, it says he went to Bethany, saw Lazarus was dead, came back. Uh, against the disciples' wishes, they, he wanted to go back to Jerusalem. They said, no, you can't go back. They want to stone you. They came back, and then he went back and raised Lazarus from the dead. So, knowing that this happened last year at the time of Hanukkah, and that he he uh, uh, averted his circuit or his orbit for two years, or excuse me, two days, and came back, we should be expecting that to happen right now. Because the Bible says that the first to rise are the dead in Christ. The dead in Christ, which was Lazarus in that, in that story, will rise first. And it's, this is all going to happen at relatively the same time. And if we think this is, uh, if we think things are rough now with the hurricanes and the, the cyclones that are happening and the typhoons and these things and the flooding and the fissures in the earth and all these things, it's going to get much, much worse. And at this point, I should say that we don't have to go through this if we simply obey what Asu says in the Bible. He says very simply what we need to do to escape this. He says, if you listen to my word, which is what I want to get into in just a minute. This is very important. He says, if you, if you listen to my, or excuse me, if you listen to my voice and believe on the one who sent me, you'll have everlasting life. That's it. That's it. Christianity, because of the Freemasonic influence, wants to add all these things about the crucifixion and the blood and all, all these things. He said, if you listen to my voice and believe in the one who sent me, you'll have everlasting no, hold, life. Hold right there. And this means something. Hold right there because we have to break yeah. the two segments and I think this will be a good leeway for the second segment. I want to ask you and you can give me your answer on the other side. Has Christianity being compromised by Freemasonry. Again, has Christianity been compromised by Freemasonry? And the version that we see today is not the one that we used to have in the distant past. But I'll get you answered on the other side. How can people learn more about your work, by your books, learn more about your websites? There is no way to get in all the details and everything in a radio interview or many, many radio interviews. That's why I've had to write all these books. There's 16 books to date. I'm working on another one. And you can get all the minutiae, all the details, everything uh, by reading those. And there's DVDs and CDs at paxionpublishing.com. P-A-X-E-O-N publishing.com. And there's even a specials tab at the top if you want to save, uh, I think it's a couple hundred dollars. 
Um, or if you want to join the Inner Circle, which is my teaching network, uh, you can do that at innercircle.us. Excellent, folks. Don't go anywhere. I promise you we have a lot of other topics. We just focused on all this before Hawaii, what's happening in Yellowstone, what I just heard about the moon and some others, but we have a lot of other topics to discuss come part two in the members section. This is Mel Fabregas. I'm here with Dr. Scott McQuaid. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first part of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the members section or subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and other great products. Thank you.